Hey, glad you're here with us this morning. My name is uh, Troy Nicholson, and I'm, I'm one of the pastors here at Safe Haven. We've been going through the book of Colossians together. This is like our, our, I think, our seventh week in the book of Colossians. And we've made it to chapter 2, and, and today we'll do just the same. We'll continue journeying. That may be different for some of you. If you've hopped around to churches, a lot of churches teach topically. We, we don't. Um, we just go straight through books of the Bible. And um, so... Letting the Word of God speak to us, and so that's what we're doing. And um, so we're in Colossians chapter 2, and before I dive into the text, maybe just as a setup today, um, you know, I think we've all been in situations to where we felt or experienced something that we didn't actually do ourselves. Like, you're like, Troy, that doesn't make, make any sense. Well, it does. I mean, think about it. That musician hits that note. You know, like Brit when he pulls out the harmonica or the saxophone and he bends it just right and you're like bending with him. Um, you know, the, the football player takes the big hit. They take the blow and, and you're like, oh, you're like, you almost felt it, you know. Uh, just the other night I was watching Simone Biles. You familiar with Simone Biles, the gymnast um, for the United States of America? There's no way she doesn't win gold. Um, I was watching her do the Olympics the other night, and with every flip and bound that she took, I felt myself flipping with her. I mean, you know, doing the things. And, you know, even when she did, she did the vault, and she, she, it was long story short, she did the vault, and she took a flip out midair because she didn't feel it, and she landed and still scored higher than everybody else. That's when you know you're dominating. Um, but she, she kind of took a hop and did the whole bounce back thing. And I was like, oh, we bounced back, Simone. Like, like I felt it with her. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Uh, if, you, if you've ever had a son play a sport, you definitely know what I'm talking about. Uh, Colin, uh, they're, they're in a tournament right now, but I hate that. But anyway, um, they swing and they miss and you're like, no, you should have, you know, that, that whole thing. We feel sometimes... With other people. The reason I bring that up is because the text today is going to say if you see Christ as supreme in all things, then you should necessarily feel certain things with Him. You should, you should experience certain things with Him, maybe things that you've never even thought that you should feel and experience with Him. So that's what our text is going to point to today. Um, at, at, all of Colossians, now I keep saying this to you, what is the whole book of Colossians about? Christ as, this is the seventh week for the love of all that is holy. We should be louder than that. It is all about Christ is what? Supreme. That's what the whole book is about. If you see Christ as supreme, we should feel, and so this is where Paul's going to go today. Let's look at it together in the time that we have left. Four ways that we feel the fullness or experience with Christ. Number one, we participate in His death. That's not something you would necessarily think that we feel with, but look what Paul says. In Him also you, in Him also you, were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by, uh, by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Now let me go ahead and address the elephant in the room right now, just simply by me reading that. Every male in this room is physically uncomfortable. 
Right? And you're like, I don't even know if I can laugh at that in church. Like, can we, like, just by reading those words, everybody in this room is a little bit uncomfortable. We want to go, hey, Paul, uh, we had kids in the room. What are you doing? We don't want to talk about these things. But by God's grace, maybe we can see the beauty in Paul's little science lesson for us here. Number one, what he's saying is this. We, if you're in Christ and see Him as supreme, we, we fully participate and experience this Literally, the Jews definitely did. Um, in the 99th year of Abraham's life, God says, I want you to circumcise yourself. <laughs> to which I'm just going to go ahead and tell you off the bat, if I'm Abraham, that probably don't happen, right? The 99th year, and, and then he said this, and also on the eighth day, you circumcise all of your children. And I want you to do that to literally set them apart. And what Paul's saying is, through Christ... And what he's done in cutting off the body of sin, we have literally been set apart as uniquely to him. We should feel that when we think about the death of Christ, that he did something for us. He set us apart. He made us unique. He made us distinct. He, he made us a part of something we formerly were not of. He, he brought us into the club. We should feel that. And so not only literally, but very much symbolically. So symbolically, I would say this. The symbol of circumcision was, will you obey me in anything that I command you to do? Now that would be one of the things that, again, it would be a test of my faith. I will obey you in anything, but I don't know about that. That sounds just a little bit nutty, Lord. You want us to do what? And the answer was, okay, we'll do it because you are supreme. We'll follow you in this way. And so... This, we participate in this death, Christ literally and symbolically put off the body of flesh. And so we do the same. This is exactly what Paul said. By putting off the body of flesh, we die to ourselves and we say, I will obey you in anything you tell me to do. I will put off the body of flesh. Because you set aside the flesh, I will choose to set aside my flesh as well. I'll do what you say, do. No matter where you tell me to go, no matter what you tell me to do, I, I will do it. And so, just as little practical notes, just some things I thought through. So when the flesh says, well, just keep talking about that person. Just keep gossiping about them. Because you know it's true anyway. We put off the body of the flesh. We, we don't give in to that. That's the call. When the flesh says, well, you don't need to forgive that person because honestly that person is just evil anyway. We put off the flesh because Christ died. We choose to put aside our flesh as well. When the flesh says, forget moderation, take another bite, take another drink, take another whatever, we, we put that off. We experience the death of Christ by Dying to our flesh. When the flesh says, save that tithe for yourself and go buy this. Or the flesh says, you've got every right to be jealous. You've got every right to be prideful. You have every right to be angry. We can do one of two things. We can experience our own desires and go, I will do what I want to do. Or we can participate in the death of Christ and die to the flesh. Put off the body of the flesh. This is what Paul's saying. And then we definitely experience this substitutionally and we'll keep going. But Christ endured a complete destruction of the flesh through circumcision. It wasn't just a, 
taking off of a small portion of flesh. This is not what Paul's getting at. He says the circumcision of Christ. On the cross, Christ was fully circumcised. His whole body was crushed. His flesh was destroyed. This is the violent extent of wrath of God and also obedience to the Father. And so through this, as a Christian, we participate in this in at least two ways. Number one, we participated in it was our sin that caused this. And that's the way in which we participate. But also, as He graciously chose to bear our sin, in doing so, our sinful bondage was broken and cut away. It was removed. It was circumcised. Our bondage of sin was removed. And so that's another way that we experience this. We should feel the death of Christ. And so when you think about Christ and you think about His death, the question is, do we just think, oh, well, that's a grand story, or do we feel it? That's what Paul's saying. He's saying you should feel the death of Christ on your behalf. Let's continue. We all not only participate in His death, but we also participate in His burial. Look at verse 12. And not only um, were you circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, you having been buried with Him in baptism. We should also feel the burial. Um, Literally, in the same way that circumcision happened, we experienced this and, and, and they followed as well. Um, we've brought our, we, we finally got the baptistry here. Um, you, you know back behind there is a baptistry, and then I'm not going to name any names, but Britt made us cover it up. And uh, so, so, uh, so we brought in our baptistry, all this kind of stuff. So, the, so they experienced this very literally. They experienced the burial, and if you've been baptized, you've experienced it as well. You've felt the burial of Christ. Believers go under the water. In the same way that Christ went into the grave. Believers are raised out of the water in the same way that Christ was raised from the dead. It's it's a very literal experience that they felt. And not only that, but they, they left family and friends for this. Like, baptism in this day was not so that you could get a t-shirt, take a picture, and post it on Facebook. That's not what baptism was about. Baptism was about... I am giving up my friends, my family, my job, everything to identify with Christ. And so very literally, this was a way that they felt and experienced, and and we do too, if you've been baptized in that way. Symbolically, it also is this. Believers in baptism do, in a very real sense, lay in the grave with Christ. They're, They're putting to death... Everything we formerly knew, right? Um, So this is why I tell people when I baptize them, um, some of you guys have gone through baptism and and I was the one that by God's grace was able to baptize you. And and I told you this. um, Hey, when I put you under, I'm going to hold you there. (laughs) To which usually is a response, why? Why why would we do this? And then I tell them, look, I'm going to hold you there for just a second Because I want you to think in that moment. Don't let it just happen. Don't let it be ritual. But think in that moment. I am identifying with with Christ. And and we do that. And so this is very real for us. And symbolically, by birth, 
We're only equipped to function in the world in the flesh. But in Christ, we're now released to function in a whole new life. That's the point. Uh, your dad when, or your mom, when, when they used to drive you around as a kid, all you could do is go wherever they went. You just sat there and you rode with them. That's, that's all you could physically do. And what Paul's saying is before the baptism and partaking with Christ's burial, all you can do is wherever the world takes you. Your choice will always be whatever the world tells you to do. But in Christ, you got a brand new set of keys. Now, some of y'all spoiled kids got a brand new car growing up. Uh-huh. You're laughing right now. All of you hate all of you in Christian love. In Christian love. And then, and then a lot of us just got a hoopty, and we didn't care. It went from point A to point B, did not matter. And that's what he's saying. Through the burial, you, you don't just have to go where the world's... You can now drive up whoo, new life, fresh and anew. You can choose to follow Christ. And we experience that through the work of the baptism. We're postured in a new way to experience the fullness of His supremacy. And then we definitely experience this substitutionally, and I've got to hurry... But Christ indeed felt the full weight of the Father's crushing blow in burial. He felt it all. We don't really have a concept of the fullness of the wrath of God. We don't get it. And maybe just to kind of paint that picture real quick. Jesus, through the death and burial, experienced very real pain. Very real anguish. Very real hurt, like... The pulsing, like he felt that. However, he was the God who created the world. He, he experienced this agony. He experienced all of this hurt. So much so that what did the world begin to do when Christ was placed on the cross and put in the grave? What did the cosmos begin to do? The earth itself. What did it do? It started falling apart. It, it what? It shook. The whole world begins to shake, going, what on earth is going on? The God that created us, Jesus, who all things came into being, is now put in the tomb and the earth begin to go, this has to be it. This has to be the end of it. We're falling apart. Why? Because the fullness of the wrath of God fell on him at his burial. And in that moment, he did so. Why? For us. So that we wouldn't have to feel the wrath of the Father. Shut the door. Do you feel that? When you think about his death, do you... Feel that when you think about his burial. It's far more than just a fun story that we slap on flannel grass for our kids. And now think on this. And now we thirdly get to participate in his resurrection. Do you feel the resurrection? If you thought one and two were good, get on your holy shoes for number three. Right? He says this. You were circumcised by the putting off the flesh, by the circumcision of Christ. You have been buried with Him in baptism, in which you also now 
were raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you, who were dead in your trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us of all of our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Somebody help a brother out. (laughs) Set aside for you your record of debt. Through what? Through the resurrection. You see, for the believer... The death is one thing, the burial is another, and the resurrection is a whole nother thing. Like we should feel that for sure. Think about this. We quite literally, in a sense, are raised with Christ from the dead. More on this in just a second, but... As he literally walks out of the tomb for believers, he walks out literally with your name in hand. Your record of debt stood against you. He nailed it to the cross, and in the grave, he walks back out with it and goes, I got these covered. And that's going to get even better in just a second, all right? But hang with me there. But also symbolically, as he was raised to life, we're definitely raised to a new life. As he was raised, raised, we can now live a life that looks different, feels different, sounds different, dresses different, talks different, walks different, whatever. We can do these things. And as he was indeed raised to life, we know that we will be raised to life eternally if you're a believer. So that's symbolically, but fully substitutionarily. I don't even know that's a word. Substitutionally, we'll go with that. Christ accomplished the approval of the Father by nailing your sin and your debt to his own cross. This is the substitutionary work. This is a loaded and wonderfully shout-worthy truth. It's one thing for Christ to say, I will conquer your sin by my death and burial and resurrection. It's one thing to say that. Any lunatic can say that. Brandy, I will die for your sin and be raised again. Lunatic, right? (laughs) Anybody lunatic can say, you can say anything you want. It is a whole nother thing. To say, I will die for your sin, I will be buried for your sin, and I will be raised again for your sin, and it happened, and boom, up from the grave you arose. That's a whole nother thing. That's a different level of power, and the resurrection should change things, and it affects things. Why? Because only a divine Lord can do that. Only a divine Lord can pull off what He said He can pull off, and Christ pulled it off. And so in the resurrection, this should stun us. The death shouldn't necessarily stun us. A lot of people died. The burial shouldn't necessarily stun us. A lot of people were buried. What stuns the believer is that Christ rose from the grave. That changes everything. And so we should feel this. Why? Because 1 John 2 says it this way, and this is what I said just a second ago that I would explain in just a little more how we literally, how this affects us. 1 John speaks of a day that Christ is the advocate for believers. Okay, Here's what he says. 
I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. Ready for this? Believer. But if you do sin, if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Okay. What this means is this. One day, for the believer, Christ will literally open up the substitutionary book of the Lamb's book of life. And your name will be written in it. And that's what he will use in your legal case. The Lamb's book of life was written according to Revelation when? Somebody say it for me. Before the foundation of the world. It was written before the foundation of the world, the scripture says. It was approved at the death and burial. But that sucker went into print at the resurrection. And that's where mass publication begins to pull out. And so, if you're thinking about the death, burial, and resurrection as he's screaming for us to think about, church, you should feel this, Paul says. He says, here's why you should feel it. Because at the death and at the burial... The Lamb's book of life is sitting there, but it's not approved. He can't use it. It's not good legal documents. At the resurrection, Jesus busts out with it and says, finally, for believers, for all time, it is finished. Done. So for the believer, when you stand before the Father, this is what's going to happen. I'll go with me because I don't want to talk about you. All right. So Troy Nicholson walks up there. Uh, Y'all know my dirty laundry. This guy is horrible. Horrible guy, terrible. My mind thinks wrong thoughts. My hands do wrong things. This guy is a rotten mess. You just need to know that. If you don't know anything else about me other than he's bald, at least know that. Troy Nicholson walks before the Father. Boom. Heading into heaven. I don't know that I would skip like that. (laughs) It'd probably be kind of more like, God, please. All right, so we make it into heaven. The Father stands up and he says this. Troy Nicholson. Here's what your life looks like. And I go, yep. And he begins to read, and I'm like, God, I'm in trouble. This, 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 this. And he says, Troy Nicholson, because of your work, you are damned. To which I go, and you're right about that. And I deserve that. But if this passage is true, at that moment, Jesus stands up and he goes... Hold on a second. Because of my death, because of my burial, and because you raised me saying that my work was sufficient, his name is in here, he is covered, it is finished for Troy Nicholson. Let him in, and the father goes, whoa, that changes everything. Because of the work of my son, you are now welcomed as my son as well. Woo! And that's the gospel. That's the good news. And if you're a believer or claim to be a believer and don't feel that, then something is wrong with you. If you know the depth of your sin and the grossness of your sin and see the supremacy of Christ over the death and the burial and your resurrection, you will experience in a very real way the work of Jesus other than just rote head knowledge so that you can get the sucker at the end of the VBS. 
hand. What time is it? So lastly, number four. We participate in the death of Christ. We participate in the burial of Christ. We participate in the resurrection of Christ. And we participate in His victorious freedom. Verse 15. And again, I don't know why anybody would not just teach through books of the Bible. Like you can't write anything better than that. You can't come up with anything better than that. Okay, that's a whole other hobby horse for another day. Verse 15. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in Him. So, we're out of time and let me say two simple things about this victorious freedom. If you're a believer, Satan and his slimy gumbags will do their best to crush you with temptation. There's no doubt about that. There's an old saying that misery loves company. We know this saying. In 2 Peter, there's a very scary, odd verse that says this, The fallen angels, God did not give them a chance. They had no chance to return. Praise God He doesn't do that with humanity. But He did that. 2 Peter says He did not spare the fallen angels. We should be thankful for His grace. There's no second chance. But number two... Not only will they try to draw you in through temptation, but if you're a believer, and maybe even a little more sinister, uh, they will try to rob your joy with perpetual guilt. They will try to crush you with where you don't match up. That's what they do. They'll say things like this. You're not good enough. You're not righteous enough. You're not sinless enough. You're not smart enough. How many of y'all have felt that this week? I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not righteous enough. I'm not holy enough. I'm not... Honestly, has anybody else felt that other than, I mean, me? There's option A. Option A, you can listen. And you can say, well, I'll show you. I'll read my Bible every day. I will be the one who goes to the Gadabi people. I don't even know if I said that right. I'll be the one. You can, you can option A, do that. I'll be the one. Well, let me tell you, at the end of the day, you're just going to be more crushed and more despaired. Or option B, when Satan and his slimy scumbags say that, you can say to them, you are exactly right. I am not good enough. I am not smart enough. I am not holy enough. I am not righteous enough. But Jesus is. And I'm trusting in Him. And in that we find complete freedom and joy. Well, I've burnt all of my time, Nolan. As the band comes back up, as I was studying this passage, there's a a hymn that we sing from time to time and it just kept flooding my mind. And, And I think it's just a good summary passage of this whole passage. So if you didn't hear a word that I said, maybe this song will speak to you. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light. He's my strength. He's my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are stilled and striving cease, 
He's my comforter, my all in all. So here in the love of Christ, I'll stand. In Christ alone, He took on flesh, the fullness of God and helpless babe. This gift of love and righteousness scorned by the ones He came to save. Till on that cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. Every sin on Him was laid. So here in the death of Christ, I live. There's no way He wrote the song not reading Colossians 2. There in the ground His body lay. Light of the world by darkness slain. Then bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave He rose again. And as he stands in victory, sin's curse has lost its grip on me. For I am his and he is mine. I'm bought with the precious blood of Christ. So, (laughs) there's no guilt in life. And no fear in death. That is the power of Christ in me. So from life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns and calls me home here in the power of myself, my works, my good effort. Here in the power of Christ, I'll stand. He's supreme, not us. That's the hope of the gospel. What a text. And I am flat exhausted. If you're a believer, I hope you feel the death and the burial and resurrection on your behalf. I hope that's what you walk away with today. Not the song, not Gabby singing, even though she's got like angelic vocal cords and stuff. Not. I hope you walk away thinking about Jesus. If you're not a believer, if you've not placed your trust in the finished work of Christ, why not today? Why not today? Die to yourself. Die to your work. Confess that you're a sinner. Confess that Christ is righteous. Believe in His substitutionary work in the death, burial, and resurrection and experience the freedom of salvation today. You don't need me. You don't need any of us. You can do that right in your seat, but I'll be hanging out right down here. I'd love to talk to you. And maybe you just need to follow through with baptism. Let us know. I'll shut up. You get it. I love you guys. Thankful for this text. Let's pray together. So, Lord, if we don't walk away thinking about Jesus, then church has just been horrible today. I pray that there's not a soul in here who who at least hasn't been confronted with the reality of the death and burial and resurrection. I selfishly pray that none would resist that work, that all would call on your righteousness to save them. I pray they would do so today. I pray that selfishly. But for the believer in here who who maybe we've forgotten 
the extent of the death, burial, and resurrection that today we would feel. We'd feel it, experience it, bend with it, wave with it as it washes over us. And it has washed over us. Lord Jesus, let your text remain supreme. And may the word that went forth through your word not return void, but accomplish that for which you've sent it. In Jesus, it's in your precious name we pray, and in your name we now sing. Amen. Would you stand and worship with me?